0: Welcome to Fate's Wide Wheel, a Quantum Leap podcast with Sam and Dennis. We are coming to you from our top secret headquarters at Project Quantum Leap, but you can find us online at fwwquantumleappod.com, or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Fate's Wide Wheel, and please do us a favor by hitting the subscribe button on iTunes. Alright, here we are, ladies and gentlemen, Fate's Wide Wheel, discussing Goodnight, Dear Heart. Um, directed by Christopher T. Welch, which is his second of four episodes that he would direct after Her Charm. Uh, writer is Paul Brown. Uh, this is his fifth out of 13 episodes he would write. It aired on March 7th, 1990. Our leap date is November the 9th, 1957. And Sam is left into Melvin Spooner in River Rock, Massachusetts, which sounds like a Stephen King Talented, it does, doesn't right? it? Hello, everybody. <laughs> uh, we're flying, uh, just the two of us, uh, this episode, uh, so no, no guests right now, um, but uh, we're going to dig in. we got a lot, lot to talk about, I think, a lot to, lot to unpack with the episode itself, and then uh, some of the fallout and stuff as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. TV Guide
1: description this week. Sam, Scott Bakula, leaps into a mortician who becomes obsessed with preserving the memory of a young German woman by proving that she didn't commit suicide
0: was murdered and murdered um, yeah uh, it, you know we, we open up um, in the in the leap out um, well we didn't actually get the leap out from freedom but it would have been great if we had because I feel like it would have carried over some of the somber tone Absolutely, um, yeah. You know that, that we definitely did not get with the original leap out from freedom, which went into double identity. So we go from if I'm Sam dying, I'm dying, Sam holding yeah. his dying grandfather. You yes, know, to this. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, good night, dear heart. Uh, he's confronted by the uh, uh, the spinning locket mm-hmm. and um, the sheriff's there. Yes, and played by W.K. Stratton. That's Before Doctor Berger in Genesis. Yes. Uh, he'll go on to do some uh, some voices, radio a, announce voices and a couple of episodes. Dispatcher voices in yeah. a couple of episodes. And then eventually also play Larry Stanton in a Trilogy, the three episodes, um, later on in the, uh, in the series. Fourth season? Fifth season? Fourth season? Uh, fifth season. Fifth season. Fifth season. Yeah. yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. Uh, but
1: yeah, so Sam leaps in. Sheriff uh, Lyle, uh, Sheriff Roundtree, is holding a locket in front of
0: Sam's face
1: having a discussion.
0: Yeah. And and one of the things that I want to say just right off the bat is that I feel like that Quantum Leap went through a phase, you know, in the first season where it was trying to figure out what the hell it was and how it was going to be what it wanted to be. Uh, the bulk of season two so far has has been kind of nailing that down with a few aberrations here and there, mostly cause you had, mostly because you had some episodes that were held over. Um, but for the most part, you know, you've got Honeymoon Express, you, you've got... Uh, Disco Inferno. You've got you've got these episodes that, that are that feel like real quantum leap compared to some of the episodes in the first season. Um, now, I think the really cool thing is more than just about anything we've seen before. We start to get into some inventive episodes, at least production wise. You know, even if the writing is maybe a little bit by the numbers in areas. And I think that one of the things I want to mention is that that locket is is so hypnotic. Mm-hmm. And it sets the stage for a lot of what Sam is about to do and encounter for the rest of the episode. Sure, he's he's absolutely you know hypnotized by this situation, uh, you know, almost to the point of obsession. Um, and and so this is a really cool moment that that's kind of the first thing we focus on is this locket, and it's right in front of Sam's face, and it's like you know it is. It's almost just like your stereotypical like I'm putting you under my spell sort of thing, and it's really. Uh, I I, I think a wonderful precursor to what we're about to get. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then through this discussion um,
1: uh, the sheriff says, I think this locket belongs to her and Sam's like, who? sheriff points behind him, turns around, and there is a dead young lady laying on on a table behind him. He makes a comment, she's dead. And then we get the kind of cute line, Melvin. You should have been a detective rather than a mortician.
0: Yeah, and 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 W.K. Stratton, uh, who who is solid beyond the shadow of a doubt, and 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 gives us some much needed levity in this episode. He he tends to be kind of the comic relief. That and quite possibly the mirror image of Melvin. Uh, <laughs> but I, one of the things I have to mention is that. I I know that there are times he's definitely trying to do that northeastern, you know, sort of Boston accent. But there are times when he sounds like he's from Alabama. And this is one of those times where it's just like, oh, WK. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things where I I didn't really think about that. But, uh, yeah, the accents are kind of a little, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and the thing is, is not everybody's even trying to do one. It's just no. it, there are times when he kind of is, and I can't, you know, like put a little yeah, put a little yeah, flavor on it, exactly, you know, dropping his eyes and stuff like that, but not quite. I don't know. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think that's one of those. You either got to have everybody fully commit, yes, or you just got to commit to uh, what do they call it—the American standard dialect, right? That sort of mid-Atlantic kind of uh, you know. they were yeah, just everybody, uh, you know, what you hear on the nightly news, just everybody settles into that right, right there.
0: Yeah, but that that Tom broke off. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. The, I, I was I was just thinking that exactly there. Um, yeah, and and so, you know, immediately I, I think that we know that there's got to be something more to to this. You know, dead body lying on the table. Um, you know, we get that he's the mortician. In addition to that, he's a sure. coroner. As as Al will tell us later, you know, a lot of small towns they didn't have a coroner, so that the mortician was basically just. The de, you know de facto shirt sure. coroner as well. and so Sam um, yeah immediately is trying to figure out mm-hmm. you, you know yeah so we should know uh, other information that
1: we get dropped in this in this first bit uh, not only the locket but it was found in the purse at the end of the dock where or her where uh, Hilla's body was we're gonna find out that the young woman's name is Hilla and also one of her shoes was floating in the water yeah below. Uh, that will come back into play later on in the story. Uh, and they think that
0: Hilla drowned herself. Yeah. Do we get, I can, you know, I can't remember, which is a shame, because I just watched it last night, but but is it immediately thrown out that she committed suicide, or is it accidental, or is it just that they haven't made a decision yet? I, I feel like uh, I, I feel like they're going from suicide. Okay, that's, yeah. Alright. Yeah. All right. yeah. <laughs> um... We kind of get, you know, the interesting thing is, too, is next we get sort of like a parade. Yeah, of, of, yeah, uh, uh, of introducing yeah. everybody, yeah.
1: So, uh, after we come back from the, the opening credits, there's a buzzer at the front door, uh, and this is where we meet, uh, Greg Truesdale, played by, what's this young man's name? Robert, Robert Duncan, Duncan McNeil, McNeil who, if right. you are a
0: Star Trek Voyager fan, um. Lieutenant Tom Paris. Yes. Instant Tom Paris. Yes. uh, Prisoner Tom Paris. Yes. Weird, transformed into a proto-primal biological entity Tom Paris in one of the worst episodes of Star Trek in history. That was such a weird... That was a weird episode. More importantly, in one of the better episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation, however, he played cadet Nick Locarno. And originally Tom Paris was supposed to be Nick Locarno, which is why in the pilot he is in jail basically. Yeah. But the thing is that with the way contracts were done for Star Trek the Next Generation, they did not actually own those characters that were is like guest characters or whatever because they purchased sure, the yeah. so they so they would have had to pay the the screenwriter a royalty every time they mentioned Nick Lacarno's name in Star Trek Voyager. So they renamed him. So they're like Tom screw Harris. that yes. Yeah. 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 Ah, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. What, what was the episode of Next Generation he was in? The, the, the Drumhead. It okay. was, it's, an, it's an episode where um, they go back to Earth and it's Wesley's and Starfleet Academy. Uh, it introduces uh, Boothby, who's like the gardener that okay. Picard he, he, yes, you know, yeah. used to give a hard time and vice versa. Anyway, uh, there's been a... Um, I believe another cadet got killed in a training yes, exercise. Yes, and it turns out that they were doing a, a forbidden maneuver. Right, and, that's what, and they, yes. they were all trying to cover it up. And so, yeah, yes,
1: I remember that episode. I thought it was called something else, but yeah, I remember that. But
0: anyway, uh, so yeah. Also, one other ahead. thing I must add: as oh, yes. a kid growing up in the '80s, it was impossible not to, uh, you know, dream of seeing He-Man on the big screen. Some people might say what we got was not very good, but to this day, I actually really enjoy Masters of the Universe. Really? Yeah. And Robert Duncan McNeil plays uh, an Earth kid who um, ends up basically uh, finding the cosmic key when they crash through the portal onto Earth from Eternia,
1: and he and his
0: girlfriend, played by Courtney Cox... That's right. um, Also, another... You know, six degrees here. Chelsea uh, Field is in that movie as Evil Lynn, who ends up actually marrying Scott Bakula. Uh, ah. they're, they're married to this day. Comes around there. Um, Yeah, and they they got together in like the mid-90s right after Scott Bakula got divorced from his first wife, I think, Mm -hmm. and then they didn't get married for like eight or nine years, but then eventually they got married they're married to this day. She was even on a couple of episodes of NCIS New Orleans as well. Interesting. So there you go. So now we've, we've... So now we've come full circle. And of course there's also the Star Trek, you know... Uh, that that's
1: so, our connection, right? Yeah. Later on, things. we're gonna we're gonna meet another character. There's a whole other connection there to a future series. But anyway, yeah, we got, uh, we got lots of stuff. Yeah. So we're introduced <laughs> to uh, to Greg Truesdale and his father Roger. Um, and so Lila called Greg with the news uh, of Hilla's death. Roger insisted on coming along, explaining that Hilla had been one of his best employees. Um, and this is where we get an idea in this scene that. Uh, people don't necessarily care for Melvin. And I think it's it's a mix of, one, he's, he's the mortician, so there's a little bit of a creep factor that comes along with that. And I think it's not until the end of the scene where we get a shot of Melvin in the mirror. And it's... Uh, he's just a little goofy
0: looking. Yeah. And it's funny, because Sam has that line in the mirror shot, no, no wonder nobody wants to touch you. And I think it's... It's... It's 2 You know, it speaks to... The, the, the blood bloodline and everything. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah, he does look a little... But I
1: think it's like... He's a... He's a bit bigger, but he's not necessarily fat. Yeah. And he just... Yeah. He's just... He's not necessarily ugly or weird. He's just kind of goofy looking. And right. It's just... Yeah, kind of this... Uh, when uh, Betsy and I... My wife and I, we were watching this episode. Like, at that... At that moment, at that line where... Sam is obviously a little bit put off not by the blood on his apron but just by what Melvin looks like. Yeah. We're both like what? Why are you know being mean
0: like, Sam? Yeah. I was like yeah I'm like what the hell
1: Sam? Like he's just he, he's not Scott Bakula handsome <laughs> right. but he's just you know. Don't fat shame the guy you leapt into. <laughs> basically yes. Yeah basically yeah. Um um so yeah and so through this uh this scene here um We do get an idea that, uh, yeah, that uh, Greg and Hilla had been romantically involved, which uh, Roger tries to play down. It's like, yeah, all the girls like Greg. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because he's clearly being protective of his son. One of the things that this episode does so well is that it, 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 it is in places very subtle and very atmospheric. Um, and I think that these opening scenes, you know, play with a lot of that. Uh, and I think that some of the stuff here between, you know, like Greg and Roger and Sam, it, there are some nice subtleties to, to it, which is great. Because any time, I think the tendency is with a lot of, of, you know, mystery genre television is they're not often subtle. Um, which makes it a little bit more difficult to appreciate the fact that it's a mystery show. Mm-hmm. you know um, and, and in this instance, I, I think you're getting introduced to all the players. It feels very, you know, Agatha Christie in a lot of ways You know, sure. getting introduced to everybody right off the bat. We're learning yeah. a little bit about them but not everything. Yeah. And, and, and there's some interesting stuff that that Robert Duncan McNeil in particular does uh, in this scene that, that you don't know. It's like, well, was he in love with her? Was he not in love with her? Is he jilted? Is he, is he, you know, is is he upset? Is he afraid? Is he, you know, there's a lot of complexity to that particular performance, which is nice. Yeah. We have a dead body, so everybody that is introduced is a suspect.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, By default. We also get clarified during this scene that uh, Roger had hired Hilla as, as a desk clerk at the lodge that he owns uh, because her family had been killed during the war. Yes. Um, and then it's at this point he offers to pay for Hilla's
0: burial. Right, because there's actually a line uh, where the sheriff basically says that she's going to have to be buried up in Potter's Field because she did not have any money. And mm-hmm. that's when, yeah, Roger's like, I'll pay for it. And yeah. it is an interesting moment because everybody kind of like, you will, you know, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, which kind of, again, kind of adds that further layer to the, to the, to the mystery of like, you know, why is, why is he going to do that? Mm-hmm. You know, what's he got? Yes, it's like,
1: Yeah. He's coming off a little bit too magnanimous. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so uh, they leave. Uh, Sam looks through Hilla's purse, finds a uh, passport, and uh, he's looking at the locket again, and then a voice from behind him, who we come to learn is Stephanie Haywood, played by Marsha Cross. Um, uh, she comes in, and she says that she and Hilla... Were friends, uh, and that she feels responsible for her death in some way. That she should have, uh, that she should have stopped her. Yeah. And so the brief scene here. So now
0: to bring around another connection. Uh, do you? You looked it up, I'm sure. Oh yeah, I mean, I didn't. I, I'm not quite sure exactly what the connection is that you were going to mention, but obviously, you know, she did uh, Melrose Place and Desperate Housewives. Yes. And, so,
1: yeah. uh, in the last season of Desperate Housewives, I had stopped watching it by that point. I really, I enjoyed the first two seasons of Desperate Housewives. Do you ever watch the show? Oh, I watched the first season. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was. Uh, I really, the the first season is a very good, just like in its own self-contained story. It's like the mystery of why. I can't remember the character's name. Um, I can't remember the actress's name, but it's the same actress who played uh, Sally on Sports Night. Yes. Her, uh, she narrates the entire series and the first episode starts off with her character committing suicide and the entire first season is her friends trying to figure out why did this woman who who had it all, why did she kill herself? Right. And so by
0: the end of the first season...
1: That mystery is solved. Brenda
0: Strong, Mary Alice. That's right. Yeah. Um, which also is another Sports Night alum is Felicity Huffman, who's mm-hmm. you know one of the stars of the show. Which I think uh, that's why I started watching Desperate Housewives,
1: actually. Yeah. Because same here. Of, of Felicity, Felicity Huffman. Huffman yeah. But anyway, in the last season of Desperate Housewives, I had long stopped watching it by then. Uh, but uh, Marsha Cross's character goes on trial for murder, mm-hmm. and her defense attorney is played by. Scott back. Well there you have it. And they end up getting they end up getting romantically
0: involved. Of course they do. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah, well, and, and this is, you know, talking about the subtleties and the layers. The introduction of uh, her character, Stephanie Haywood, is uh, one of the more atmospheric moments. I feel like the show the lighting, the way, you know, the way that she's brought into mm-hmm. the room. And it's, it's kind of almost a thematic element throughout the episode. Anytime we see her, there's something about, you know, like like she's usually bathed in a bit of shadow upon the first time mm-hmm. we see her. and um, So it's really, it's really interesting in, in this particular moment. Clearly out of everyone we've seen so far, even with Greg's kind of, um, you know, he seems a little busted up about it, there's no doubt Stephanie seems the most affected by what has happened. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, you know, there's definitely a sadness there. There's also, um, she, she has, she speaks about Hilla you know mm-hmm. what I mean? In a way that the other characters aren't. She talks about like uh, you know the firebombing in Dresden. She talks about her father dying in North Africa. She talks about you know she 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 gives these biographical details that go beyond Roger's simple like she lost her family in the war. Yeah, like she's she knows intimately like what happened, and and it brings yeah. up a lot of images and it helps to add into that atmosphere that you know Hilla is 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 a German expat who's coming from you know from the war. Uh, I mean we're only like nine years removed sure. from the end of the war uh, I mean the fire bombings in Dresden mm-hmm. were terrible and, and, and you know just brought all sorts of devastation um, you know the body count was high the, 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 the very landscape was changed by all of this um, so it, it just kind of creates this this wonderful atmosphere of where she comes I mean horrid, but wonderful atmosphere, where she comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that Marcia knows all that Marcia, that Stephanie knows all this, sure. appreciates it, uh, it, again, just kind of adds a little bit more to that Share sure. cake of a mystery. Yeah. It just clicked with me, the, the, the fire bombings in Dresden, we also have
1: the other time travel connection of Slaughterhouse-Five. Yeah, totally. Because that, that played a huge role in, the, in that book. Great and, point. Uh, yeah, and yeah, you know, it, it, it's important to remember, yeah, we're just a few...
0: We're just a few years removed from yeah from, from World War from World War II. and only like a month removed from Sam Beckett's actual birth date.
1: So there's there is that as yeah there's whatever there's that as well. Um, so she leaves uh, crying. Sam offers to to drive her home. She refuses. At this point, Al appears. We get a a, a comical shot, a visual gag of, <laughs> of him walking through Coming the, wall. Out of the coffin. Uh, yeah, standing in the middle of. Uh, the coffin, he is creeped out by it, um, and you know, so Sam tells Al that he doesn't really need him because, you know, he didn't leap in time to save Hilla's life, and this is where we found out they, that they, uh, in the original history, it was just written off as a suicide by drowning. Yeah. Uh, Sam looks at her passport, realizes that, uh, she had died on her 19th birthday, uh, and this is when, when he's looking at her body, um, he notices a a small circular wound on Hilla's temple um and it, it, is it around this moment here where we, we really start to get the idea we like sam starts having like flashes yes he gets the first of, flash of, 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 of hilla on the on the hillside and he starts asking um, um he's just kind of like standing over her body like 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 what did like what did she do what did she love and this is where out like well, you know. Who did she dream about at night, Sam asked, And I was like, well, probably William Holden. Holden. Yeah. Or James Dean. Or, 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 or James Dean. Yeah. yeah, probably the first movie she saw when she came over was Picnic, right? Uh, which we'll come back to play uh, later on. So we we get this weird setup of, of uh, as Betsy and I were watching this episode, he is not just interested in, in Hilla from, from a standpoint of, you know, this is obviously why he's here, uh and not just from a clinical standpoint of, of what killed her, uh, forensic standpoint maybe a better word. But he like he is he he starts to have a very personal obsession with her right off the bat.
0: Yeah. Well, and like I said, I mean, I, you know, it's not a literal thing at all. It's just a figurative, you know, metaphorical kind of device. But I think that just from the very get-go and, and kind of he is, he's being drawn into this this mystery and, mm-hmm. and hypnotized by the locket. And, he, you know, there's there's he's got to figure out what, what happened. Sure. Um, and I think it's, it, it, in some ways, it's that idea that he is traveling through time to, you know, put right what once went wrong. And in this case, like he says, he shows up too late so what else is he supposed to do but figure out what happened? Well, that's what we're talking about. It's a very natural yes, progression yes, for him. Uh because a, a moment later on in the
1: episode when he's watching like the film reel of her, uh, Betsy and I were talking and she made the other comment that, like, man, he is really obsessed with this. But then I was also like... It's not like he has a life outside of this. Well, right. It's, it's not like he has other stuff to do. And This is it, why he's here.
0: Yeah, and part of it also is that idea that, like, uh, uh, you know, I want to save some of this for later, but he needs... I think he needs to know who, he's, who he didn't save. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Like, it's not enough for him to just find out who did it. He needs to be able to appreciate who it happened to. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes Sam... And this script even more interesting. Because he doesn't go the Laura route, which is something we'll get into later, you, you know? know? But, uh, yeah, you know, there's there's a couple of interesting things that happen here. Um, one of which is that Sam, you know, offers to drive Stephanie home. Stephanie declines that and leaves, you know, and she's clearly put off even by the fact that he's offering almost, sure. you know, she's yeah. like basically, screw you, I'm leaving, even though she's very upset. Uh, there's also a wonderful little callback to Al saying something like you know how I feel about dead people, which is which is nice because it's, you know what I mean, it's something that's been established in the series already mm-hmm. and, it's, and it kind of goes into that idea what I was saying earlier about how The show's so firmly established now that it can start to call back to things from previous episodes, which is really cool. And it kind of did that with um, Animal Frat, you know, calling back to the fact that his brother died in Vietnam. Uh Um, But, yeah, these little character bits like this, it's it's, it's nice. Um, And, yeah, again, you know, when he finds what he thinks is immediately is a bullet hole in her her temple... um, yeah, he's he's he becomes immediately like now he has to figure out exactly what happened. For sure and you know, who did it.
1: Yeah. So yeah so yeah, so there's this moment like when he sees the bullet hole and he sees there's no exit wound, determines that the bullet must still be in there and that a bullet would help determine whatever it's like this this wonderful moment of just like this look coming across his face, like he knows what he has to do and he starts to put the apron on. And grabs a scalpel. And a scalpel to to perform the autopsy and and ask how, like, I'm, I'm a medical doctor, right? Like, I know how to do this. And that's where, like, just by the fact that he's a medical doctor, is he qualified to perform an autopsy?
0: Uh, I you know, honestly, I don't know the answer to that question, but my thought would be that because because we know he has, you know, a photographic memory. Sure. And because he, which obviously is Swiss cheese to all hell, but uh, I I just have a feeling that, you know, when Sam was in medical school for all the six months that it probably took him to get through it, (laughs) (laughs) that's purely conjecture, who knows, Uh, but he... He he would know. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like he would know sure. enough about human anatomy to, fig- to 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 figure it out. Mm-hmm. I, I just you know I think it's kind of a given um, about the, sure. the character in the show. But but yeah, realistically, I, that's a really good question, and I'm not sure. Um, but the interesting thing is too is I I didn't necessarily get that he was asking Al so much that to confirm that he was a doctor as much as he was affirming it to Al and saying like know I can do this. Sure, because Al starts to freak out and get squeamish, and he sure. immediately leaves I mean, and, and also, very, <laughs> yes,
1: and also, very re- realistically, it's a, it's a shorthand if you've never seen an episode before. It's a shorthand to tell the audience yeah. that Sam is a medical doctor, and that's how he's qualified to do this. Absolutely, uh, but yeah, Al gets squeamish, he disappears out of the imaging chamber door. I think we get more shots of the imaging chamber door in this episode than we ever get in any episode. It appears at least three times.
0: We do, and not only that, don't we get, uh, um, no. I think maybe it's, maybe it's the next, no, it is in this episode. We get a hand link gag that has, that I don't think has happened yet. Okay. Um, which is the, where Al's reading something off of the hand link and he gets like, the first half of the sentence and it's funny and then and then he has to you know, um, smack it and then finish the sentence. Yes, like I don't okay. think that's something we've gotten before. If we have, it's it, it's not that's sticking so, out. Yeah. yeah. So so uh, yeah, it is interesting that there are some things. Again, I just feel like they're they're pushing things forward. Sure, they're, they're starting to explore and, and invent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think tonally, this episode does that as well as some of the the site. Mm -hmm. gags that we're getting... Not gags, but, you know. Uh, I I will say, like, uh, I I didn't take, like, specific notes on Al's outfits, but Mm -hmm. all of Al's
1: outfits in this episode, like, they they, they found their tone with what his his look looked like. They are very, like, the classical Al looks. So I'm going to come back to that. So Al gets squeamish. He leaves. Yep. We come back to what... Probably it's just maybe two, three, maybe four hours yeah, later. Sam is pondering a piece of uh Sam is pondering a piece of, of metal mm-hmm. that at this point we can only assume that he must have removed from Hilla's head. Right. And Al shows back up, imaging chamber door, we get a visual gag of of him Yeah, kind of peeking through peeking <laughs> in. Which I think I we don't get that a lot no. of, of them like really playing with that special effect which I assume I mean I can only imagine like what what it took cost and, and, and production wise just to make that effect for for television sure at the time so just like any kind of visual gag like that right uh, sure but here's the thing it is four hours later Alice changed outfits yeah and I think we've established in the show before like once Sam leaps in like Sam's time and Al's time
0: run Pretty, yeah.
1: pretty concurrent. Sam, uh, Sam Demas time, I think is what we've called it before, the, the time travel trope. Uh, Maybe we should call it Sam Demas time. The Sam, is it, Sam? yeah. Aha uh, uh-huh. um, It's terrible. <laughs> but yeah, I, I did notice that, yeah, Al has changed Outfits,
0: yeah. <laughs> Which you wonder—it's like, does he feel so icky after having like been in the mortuary and seen the dead body that he just has to like <laughs> go change? go change? Yeah, yeah. Who knows? I don't know. Uh, or did he go visit Tina and then he did to change after that? I maybe. Know. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. Um, um, but we find out in the scene that
1: uh, the metal that we assume come from Hella's head actually did not come from her head. It was right. a piece of shrapnel moved from behind her
0: ear. Yes. Um, Which I wanted to interject real quick, just a little bit more about um, about the Dresden. Bombings uh, that there were basically a combined force of about 1,200 British Royal Air Force and United States Army Air Force uh, bombers that dropped more than 3,900 tons of high explosives and incendiary devices. Uh, It destroyed over 1,600 acres and an estimated 25,000 people were killed. Um, It took place over four different raids between the 13th of February. Uh, through the 15th of February 1945 um it has been described as a war crime um there are some uh, you know even to this day uh, on the german far right that that contend that it was a war crime um obviously it was it was a pretty heavy thing to do because uh, this was not a military high value target this was literally just a city um and it, it you know changed the landscape destroyed buildings destroyed lives uh so again i think that you know this character that has basically you know come from the ashes of that to live in america um and she would have only been like 10 years old you know mm-hmm. nine or ten years old when this happened to now you know meeting this fate that she does um it imparts a certain sadness yes. and i think that you know a 1990 viewer the the viewer that this show was aimed at initially you know that would have been in their 30s or whatever would have probably had enough of a working knowledge of what happened to carry that that over and mm-hmm. to lend itself to more of that atmosphere so not only is do we you know know all of that but now we're also told that she had a piece of shrapnel behind her ear like she was literally carrying the war with her uh, since she was a little girl yeah. you know and now Sam has, has discovered it and removed it and taken it out mm-hmm. but he did not however find a bullet find the bullet
1: so here's the thing that Betsy and I couldn't figure out Betsy is a guest host by proxy I guess on this episode uh, and the fact that, that, we, that we have a son it's, it's very difficult for us to work out us both being here yeah. for, for an episode for her to guest on uh, yeah bring him over <laughs> uh, so So, at this point, he couldn't find a bullet. There is no exit wound from this point on in the episode, why are they still so convinced that it was death by gunshot?
0: I don't know. I think you know i, I because I to me like, attributed... like like
1: like you know, like not finding a bullet hole and no exit wound, that would
0: determine yeah.
1: whatever it was, it couldn't have been a gunshot.
0: yeah. Uh, yeah i that's that is a a a very good question and right. and one of the things that I will say is that Sam you know while he 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 does back off a little bit on the, on the bullet theory on getting shot but mm-hmm. he still contends that she was murdered yeah um but even so later on in the episode they
1: they they do a dive in the lake to find the the, to find see the if gun. they can
0: find the gun yeah 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 um I don't know. Yeah, other other than just to him, yeah. it's probably to him. It's just another part of the mystery. Mm. You know, I mean, that's the thing. It's like because of the way the episode has been set up, it's really the perfect sort of drawing room mystery idea where it's like you know not only. Uh, are we investigating this murder? But in addition to that, we don't know how it happened. It's like you know, it's like the guy who stood on the block of ice to hang himself, or You know what I mean? Like, sure. it's like it's like there's some sort of mystery here, sure. And not every, not all the pieces of evidence are, are, are present. So how are we going to figure it out? Um, and I think not finding the bullet again, you, you know, like I said, it, it does make you wonder. Well, why don't you just rule that theory out? Sure. But for Sam, he's you know he's he's already diving in. So he's just gonna. Go with it, and yeah. we've seen him do stuff like this before, really. So yeah. it fits with the character.
1: It it does, but let's uh, not. With this episode, we'll try to keep it a little bit spoiler free, just to, to sure. be fun. But he does pick up an item in this same yes. scene that we that. Betsy and I are like, like Betsy had never seen this episode before, and I'm like, "Have you figured it out?" And she called it out, yeah, right away.
0: Yeah, I mean sure I, well, I I think the explanations he offers when he picks it up about the scuff marks and about how you know she was mm-hmm. dragged and everything though is also sure. I don't know yeah but yeah. anyway um so they don't they don't find um they they don't find the uh, bullet hole right. Uh, so the next scene, uh, Sam. Well, oh, there is a really interesting thing here too, where Al says the thing about maybe she committed suicide, and Sam doesn't believe her. Uh, yes. Believe that, and Al is like, "Why not?" And Sam's response basically is like, "Because if she had, I wouldn't be here." Yeah. And I think that that is is a really cool moment for Sam too, where it's just like he knows, he's figured it out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he knows what he's doing now. It's like there's a reason for him to be here. And if she just killed herself, why would he be here? Yeah. That that is
1: true. Yeah, that that's
0: why wouldn't he have gotten there yeah, before? That's you know? a good
1: moment, yeah. And there are other moments that happen this scene where where Al starts to realize that that Sam is becoming a little bit obsessed yeah. with this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um And so at this point, uh Sam
0: goes to visit uh Greg at the Truesdale. Uh, lodge, and we get a cute little moment where Sam is talking about walking a mile in people's shoes, but not getting the opportunity <laughs> to drive their car very uh, often. Like, yes, oh, of course he's in the, he's uh, the in, hearse.
1: Yes, he is. Yeah, he is in the he is in the hearse there, and so he's going there to uh, to pick up an outfit for for Hilla to be to be buried in. Yeah. Um, and so we go into Hilla's room. Uh, starts playing uh, a record. Do you recognize this song? No, I couldn't tell you the name of the song, uh, but you remember where we were in the series. We've heard this this episode, this not this exact same version of the song, but we've heard the song before. No, the pilot episode. Okay, uh, the song that him and Peggy are dancing, dancing to, to in the bar when Al shows up and Sam sits Peggy down to to go figure out who the mystery man is standing by the jukebox. That's
0: great. Yeah. That adds a whole another level of appreciation uh, of this episode for me because yeah. it's something like that that is a wonderful callback because he's he's like I mean I I, I don't want to sound too artsy or whatever but I mean he's begun this dance with Hilla's ghost, basically. Mm-hmm. And let's just take a moment to appreciate what the production designers did with that room because that room tells a story. yep, and it is fantastic. Yep. We get the poster picnic. Yeah, we get yep, we get the poster picnic. We get the Mark Twain book. yep, we get, you know, there's there's just so much wonderful stuff here. We also get the idea that it I couldn't decide if the room had been rifled through or if she was just a slob. Because there's stuff uh, yeah. everywhere, mm-hmm. um, which is which is kind of interesting. Now, I don't think it has. I don't think anybody has like sacked the room because of what Sam ends up finding. Because it wouldn't make sense for that to still be there, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but it is kind of interesting to just think like you know, there's drawers that are half open, that are everywhere. You know, it's like. But then at the same time, she's a nineteen-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, yeah, and another thing that, that I, I can't help but notice, and they were airing concurrently, so I don't know that there was any influence necessarily, but I'll be damned if certain things didn't remind me of Twin Peaks. I didn't watch a lot of Twin Peaks, but uh, I had that thought earlier. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, there's so much about Hilla that is that is that that is sort of similar to Laura, and, you know, the, the even with the... Um, uh, uh, the film that was taken and the picnic and like there's so much of it that's just like so reminiscent specifically of like the first episode of Twin Peaks. Uh, there's a lot of parallels there. Um, yeah, it, it, I don't know. This room this room, the design of the room tells such a yeah. wonderful story. So what's, what's interesting
1: is this episode aired uh, almost a month to the day before the first episode of Twin Peaks. Okay. Uh, this episode aired on March 7th. Uh, Twin Peaks debuted on April the 8th.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. So, there you have it. Yeah. yeah.
1: But it, I, I think that speaks to just, like, the the, the
0: mood of primetime TV when, yes. it came, when it came like to the mysteries. It, 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 it has to be completely the coincidental. There's. I mean, I, I, I would doubt that there's any possibility of there being any kind of crossover between the two oh for um, sure but it is but yeah there's some striking parallels to the point where like there are times when even some of the stuff that sam does reminds me of like dale cooper in twin peaks like especially at the end of the episode um and and then of course you know Hilla is very reminiscent of laura even she even looks a little bit like laura Palmer. Mm-hmm. um so it, it is kind of eerie um but 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 yeah. Back to the room. Yeah, there's just this wonderful picture painted of who this girl was, um, and 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 I can't help but applaud the production team for putting all of that together and and, and going, you know, that deep into crafting this this set, uh, which is a set that we do revisit. Um, a couple of times within the context of the episode as well, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and of course, Sam finds the diary. Finds the diary,
1: starts reading it. Uh, Matt Dale he points out in his book, like because we do get a close-up mm-hmm. of the diary. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is written in the diary in German uh, does not match up at all with what is actually uh, Sam reads in the Sam reads in the voiceover. Yeah, because um, like in the what's actually written has to do with the, with a the trip to the to the zoo and seeing uh, zebras um, and, and things. Such as that, but yeah.
0: what do we actually find out in the diary entry? We well, find out a lot we do. She was she um, talks about you know needing somebody to love, um, you know meeting Greg, going to the movies. She talks about actually falling in love and how you know unexpected and wonderful it is. Um, but that there's you know there's an argument over over falling in love and yeah it's it's it yeah it, so uh, yeah I'm looking it up here
1: to. to yeah, so on the 4th of July, she had met someone she could fall in love with, had an argument with someone else over it, and ended that relationship.
0: And then we get, um, another one of those just wonderful moments, mm-hmm. you know, not to not to keep beating it to death, but like, no, no pun intended, um... Stephanie Hey-o. Yeah, Stephanie walks in, but it's Laura. I mean, not Laura. Jesus, see, my brain's all over yeah. the place now. But it's Hilla. Hilla's standing there. Yeah, when Sam first looks over, mm-hmm. and then it comes. Do they actually have the actor? Yeah, and Hilla stand in. Yeah, that. that first shot is totally Hilla. Yeah, uh, and then and then of course when it comes back, it, it is actually Stephanie, and Marcia Cross. Um, but it's such, a, and again, you know, she's kind of bathed in shadow and, mm-hmm. and 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 backlit, and it's just a really wonderful, you know, atmospheric moment. And she comes in. Um, and and they have this <sighs> interesting scene. That's, that's scene, yeah. Yeah,
1: you know, it, it's worth noting because uh, Betsy called it out. Is is she comes in and she takes the diary out of Sam's hands, and she knows exactly where to return it to. Yeah, she knows where it belongs.
0: And she takes the record off. She puts mm-hmm. the record away. She she yeah. She yeah. does. She's like she's basically cleaning up, tidying up. Yes, in a way. Yeah. Um, and this
1: and this is a moment where uh, you could. You could reasonably expect, like, Melvin looks a little suspicious. Oh.
0: Right here. Yeah. You
1: know? Yeah, without a
0: doubt. Yeah. Oh, another, oh, gosh. I almost skipped over this, uh, not to belabor, you know, another element, the burnt doll that he picks up before he gets to the diary. There's that doll that he picks up that's, like, burnt. Uh-huh. And and, and there's the sounds of bombing and screaming that, that, that we hear as he yeah. picks the doll up, and it's wonderful, mm-hmm. and it's different. This is not, like, again, this is not your standard, like, boilerplate quantum leap. Yeah. This is something doing some different, stuff. and yeah. it's really great. Yeah. You know, they're taking some chances, and they're really, you know, they're making it feel like more than just a standard episode of television. Sure. It's starting to feel cinematic, and yeah. it's fucking great.
1: I mean, when they talk about, like, in the production of the show, they always talk about they felt like they were making a little mini-movie yeah. every week, and, like, this is one... Where it really feels like. That. Where it feels like. Like it, it's very much. It's it's a genre episode, and they're not doing it to the cheesy factor that they did in the first season.
0: Yes, right. And they and they are doing some some interesting things. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. Um. We also then get the information that Stephanie was a photographer. You Mm -hmm. know, she wanted to make it a profession. That she thought Hilla was going to be a model. Um, Did she say she was going to move to New York or something? Yeah, they were going to go to New York together. (gasps) Um, You know, and Stephanie talks about how there was no doubt that Hilla would have been able to be a model. She's so beautiful. Um, Yeah, and, 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 you know, even tells... Uh, oh, Sam basically says that she might have been murdered, and that's when Stephanie's like, nobody would have ever killed her, everybody loved her. Yeah. Um. Murder. Yeah. Uh, oh, and then she also drops the knowledge that Roger fired Hilla after he found out about her fling with Greg. Yeah. Which is something that, mm-hmm. you know, we've not... And again, it's you know, we get the... Um, we kind of skipped over the earlier scene with Greg that uh, Sam has when he gets to the Truesdale Lodge. He's got a little scene there with Greg and, yeah. and Greg is even now that his dad's not around, it's like he's even more willing to be upset yeah. about all of this yeah. and, and, and more vulnerable uh, with Sam, which is interesting. Cause like you say, with what we kind of know about Melvin in general, it's it, 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 sure for Greg in particular, he's got to be looking at Melvin, the mortician and just, you know, and, and to be able to just let it out like that for uh, sure it's clear that it's shaken him up quite a bit
1: yeah absolutely um so yeah, oh, and uh, tells yeah her, tells the, the it tells him it tells him the dress
0: that, he would, that, that she would want to be yeah there, yeah I mean.
1: and at the end of that scene uh Sam asks Gray, like were you in love with Hilla and Greg won't he won't answer yeah, he walks away yeah. um so we should also say in the scene so uh when Sam finds the diary um uh, a slip of paper falls out, and, and, and Sam looks at it. We don't see what he sees, but but he's shocked to read it. Yeah. We have the scene with Stephanie. Uh, then Al uh, Al shows back up, and uh, and they have a scene.
0: Include uh, the eavesdropping. Like Al's yes. been around. I love the, we this see is
1: him. this is like because we, we experienced this in in um, her charm. A couple of episodes ago, where we have a moment where Al shows up. Sam asks him, "How long have you been here?" And Al says, "Long enough to know X." Yeah, yeah, right. Um, right. Uh, it's, a, it's a quantum leap trope. Yeah, it, it's a little bit. I don't. It'll be interesting to see, like, like rewatching the series, like in order. Like, this is not a trope that I remember. It'll be interesting to see if this is a trope that they keep coming back. But, in, yeah, and and doing a lot because I don't necessarily remember that. Right. That. that that gag happening all the time, um, but this scene ends with the reveal that the slip of paper that Sam's find was the result the of a blood, the blood test. test, and Sam says it in a dramatic fashion that two people died in the lake. Yeah, because Hilla was pregnant. Because Hilla was pregnant.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should we even? Should we even? Should we even? Dip our toe into the water of what this says about Sam, whether or not he's pro-choice or pro-life. <laughs> uh, you know that crossed my mind, and I'm just gonna let it.
1: Yeah, I think it's best that we do that. I'm just gonna let it. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I have
0: I, I have literally no problems whatsoever with that line of dialogue. I have no problems whatsoever. With, I, I, I I I think it adds to it the is it the is I mean, tension of the episode absolutely for the for it's, it's for a, for a wonderful tension, storytelling the
1: mystery. Uh, and I can't remember off the top of my head, but I feel like like that is a very common thing. Like I have seen, absolutely, I have seen that 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 twist happen in more than one episode where it For turns sure. out the murdered person was pregnant. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, that, and how and how do you pack the most emo- emotional punch? You know, you say that 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 two people died right in there.
0: Absolutely.
1: And yeah. Pro choice, pro life. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah.
0: <laughs> that
1: is that is a whole other can of worms waters that. that
0: we don't need to wade into. Uh, one of the things that uh, that is interesting too is that, that there's been a bit of um, uh, some play with like Sherlock Holmes in this episode as well, mm-hmm. including when Sam walks in and sees the picnic poster with William Holden. Like he says something about Al would have made a great Watson. Yeah, you know, for figuring that out, and you, you know, and Al calls Sam Sherlock Holmes at one point, and you know. It, any time you get two characters together that have kind of the relationship that they have and are clearly like solving problems so, you know that's clearly like something you're going to call back to at one point or another mm-hmm. there's just no way to avoid it uh, but it is it, it's nice that it's nice that it's not overplayed mm-hmm. within the context of this episode but it's also a nice little you know sort of like oh yeah they're like a little Holmes and Watson team here you know it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, how about that yeah for sure Uh, So we're back at the mortuary, and now
1: Sam and Sheriff Lyle are arguing over Hilla's death. Sam is trying to convince Lyle that Hilla didn't kill herself, but that she was uh, shot. Uh, And then Lyle responds, basically saying, like, Melvin has become obsessed with Hilla and is But in a very gross way. Yes,
0: it is... uh, Yeah. Like, basically, like, just saying, like, you know... There's a, a young naked blonde girl sitting on there's the table a, over
1: there. A, like, yeah, there's a necrophiliac element, yeah. perhaps, to to this. Poor Melvin. <sighs> Melvin never did that. Yeah, but this is where we get, <laughs> and we we're talking about this off mic before we start recording. This is where we get an extended mirror shot.
0: Yes. Uh, of,
1: of of Lyle and and Melvin. Uh, Speaking to each and another, one of those sort of inventive yes not done and, and moments, and so you know obviously they they accomplish a lot of these mirror shots throughout the series by having a double sided set with the actor standing on the other side of the uh, of the glass, and so watching the scene, it was obvious that with the kind of mirror that they were using, that that wasn't what they were doing, right? And so when Betsy and I were watching the episode, we we're like, that was a really cool shot. Like, how do they accomplish it? And then we figured out it's like. The angles are just a little bit off. Yeah. But the way they end up accomplishing it is that they have uh, Scott Bakula and the actor who plays Melvin standing shoulder to shoulder with each other so that the way the camera angle hits, we're seeing over Scott Bakula's shoulder, but in the mirror, we're seeing the actor who plays Melvin. Yeah. And Lyle. And you can see that as... as, uh, as Sam slash Melvin is approaching the mirror just for a split second you can see the two actors shoulders right up against yeah. one another. And it I like, when it, like how weird was it to shoot those to shoot those scenes, especially when you're playing the mirror image. Yeah. Because I'm guessing Quantum Leap was a semi-popular show. This wasn't, you know, when when you get a guest starring role on a TV series, this wasn't like now where you could like pull up a tape or something or a DVR and like watch an old episode really quick. Sometimes I wonder if like for these actors who are not familiar with the show at all, just right. like coming on the set, like what,
0: what the hell am I? Well, especially the in the I first doing? like couple of seasons. Yeah. You know, I feel like I feel like. Uh, probably around this time, it, it had reached a level of awareness, you know, that people probably wouldn't... And especially in Hollywood, too, because you've got you to remember one of the things that's unique about Quantum Leap as well is that there, there were no other, like, anthology-type shows really on television at the time, on a major network at the time. Um, you know, they were all your kind of your standard narrative Thing. kind of uh, know, television programs. There was a
1: short-lived one called Amazing Stories... Yeah, but was that a network show? Uh, I feel like it was NBC. If not NBC, it was ABC, and I feel like it was produced by Steven Spielberg. Uh, But that was almost like uh, a more basic, sanitized version of Tales of the Crypt. Sure, okay. Uh, But for regular network. Right, right. Television.
0: It did yeah, it ran on NBC from 85 to 87, so it would have been pre cool Okay, only, okay, yeah. okay. Got it. Um so so you got to think though that that in some ways much like a you know, um, it probably attracted a lot of actors because it was a wonderful opportunity to get on television but not have to commit to a a full, like, season of TV. Or sure. Whatever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but but even then, for this particular scene, yeah, you have to just kind of imagine It's like, like what? 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 What am I doing? What am I doing? Uh, okay. Am uh, I reacting? Uh, uh, or is he reacting and then I'm doing what he's doing? Mean, or, or, Is yeah. this a mirror game? No pun yeah. intended? And it's one of those, <laughs> like,
1: uh, and I understand, like, you know, like, the, the production schedule and everything, it's like, I really wish they did more. Scenes like this, absolutely, throughout the series, and we we talked about this before. I, I wish they just took the opportunity to use those actors more uh, for shots, but um, but anyway, so they're having uh, so they're having this argument, and this is where uh, I think this is the scene where Sam kind of accuses Lyle of uh, of his uh, his badge having been bought. Oh yeah, by, uh, by by Roger. Yeah, yeah, by Roger Truesdale, and and, and Lyle has a line. Nobody owns me, except, except my wife. Yeah, yeah. Which
0: is another one of those, you know, it's because it, Sam is kind of like going a little overboard, perhaps here with that accusation. But it's nice that you know that Lyle doesn't take it too seriously. And in addition to that, uh, you know, brings some levity, injects a little bit more levity into the episode. It, he he is our comic relief. He really is. Yeah. In spite of the tension of the scene, I mean, yeah. prior to that moment, I don't you know? know if comic relief is the,
1: the little levity, the little levity. Well, right. right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but by the end of the scene, Sam has convinced Lyle to to search the lake yep. and, to, and to see if there was a gun. Uh, then we cut to that uh, scene, um, or is it? No, we haven't. Uh, I don't think we haven't quite got there yet. Uh, no, we haven't gotten there yet. Um, but after Lyle leaves the scene, we're going to get to that scene later. After Lyle leaves the scene, then an other woman shows up to yes. make to make Hilla t- up um, And this is uh, Aggie. Aggie. Mm-hmm. yeah uh, So Al has appeared during the scene by the way with Lyle uh, trying to get Sam to calm down right And then we get this other moment of uh, once Al realizes that Aggie is there to, to prepare Hilla, he, he decides to leave too. Um, this is a question that Betsy and I had it's like why is Al so squeamish
0: around dead bodies he's he's been a knob. well maybe that's he's why he's been at war maybe that's why maybe yeah. he saw enough of that and he doesn't want to see it anymore yeah oh you no know? yeah it like it, yeah at know, the yeah. same time at the same time you know going back a couple of episodes to her charm he's the same guy that would have had no problems like Killing Nikki like early. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Shoot, yeah. It is an interesting dynamic. Yeah. I feel like uh
1: what I'm learning like in rewatching the series is sometimes like the way that Sam and Al are written are inconsistent. Sure. Like there are different shades of each character. And so sometimes you get the serious Al, sometimes you get the very gregarious Al, sometimes you get the very uh you know, uh sober I I have seen war. Al, which is what you're speaking to with her charm, right. and then sometimes you get the uh, flaky isn't the right word, uh, but the flaky, anxious, like, nervous around dead bodies kind of thing. Right. And this is the version of Al that we get. That, that we get.
0: Yeah, we, th- th- there's not a lot of serious Al in this episode. He's he he's sort of, he's trying to balance out Sam, you mm-hmm. know, um... Yeah. in more ways than one. Yeah.
1: Uh so from here we get to uh we get to the scene of uh, of Sam sitting in uh Hilla's right room because he's watching a film. Yeah. He's forgotten the dress yeah. and he needs
0: to go back and get it. And this is I mean just again some really fucking great stuff that they do in this episode that they've never done before. We're seeing this black and white footage of Hilla. It's it's clear that the footage is Different as well, like we're getting like multiple, you know, views of of of, of who she mm-hmm. is at different times. Um, yeah, it's just it's just some really great stuff. And Sam's sitting in this dark room, watching this black and white film. He's got a record playing. He's you know, and again, I think it goes back to that notion of it's not only that he wants to know what happened, he wants to know who it happened to. Mm-hmm. Um, and sure there's something atmospheric about it there's something kind of obsessive about it there's something sort of like you know neo noir almost about it but it's not i don't know i never i never thought sam was being creepy i didn't yeah we were talking about this off the mic
1: beforehand like when betsy and i were watching it like it was like yeah no he's like kind of yeah. yeah
0: i don't think so i mean ugh. Because there's nothing about I, I can, it... I can make the argument either way. Yeah. Because there's nothing about it... Like, he's not... He's clearly not lusting after this girl. True. He's not, like, falling in love with her. He's not... It's just clear that every time he's looking at it, he's just like, what happened to you? And to, in order for him to figure out what happened to her, he needs to know who she is.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's just... It's just, you know, it's Sam... It's just Sam being... Uh, you know, a detective, sort yeah. of, in, in getting into the psychology of the victim in order to maybe figure out the person that killed her. You know? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. But but speaking to that, it's
1: it's in this scene where like he's watching this film. It's like she's so full of life; she had survived this war. How could she want to kill herself? And just, and just like, yeah, not yeah. understanding it, and now like having to explain to her, it's like, for one, if she was pregnant, unwed. I mean that right. that could have very well been its own motivation right there. Where was she going to go? What was she going to do? Yeah. Yeah. She had she she literally had nothing. Yeah. Um, and so Al is very much we don't get Al being the voice of reason over Sam a whole lot right? right. Uh, and this is one of those episodes where 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 he is being the voice of reason, which is refreshing because they could have been very easy gone the other way and he could have been creepball.
0: Right, right, yeah. exactly. Like, oh, she was a looker, you know. Yeah, uh, but we don't get that. Luckily, another thing that I want to mention too is that the use, uh, and it's it's happened before. This obviously, you were mentioning the record earlier that played was from the pilot, a different version of a song that was heard in the pilot. Uh, is the use of the diegetic music with uh, you know the that it's not the episodes not being scored a lot. Mm-hmm. Instead, we're getting the music in the scene, mm-hmm. um, and I love that. Yeah, and it's something that we don't you know we we don't get a lot. In the same way, sure. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's 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 a lot of times music within Quantum Leap, rightfully so, because it's a good way to do it, is used more to set the time and place as opposed to set a mood, mm-hmm. uh, unless, of course, it is you know the actual score that's being played over. But the fact that it's used within the scene itself, sure, and it's also setting the mood as well as telling us of something, uh, is, is great. I love stuff like that. Yeah. You know, we're going to see something like that in the season two finale that I think is another great example. Ah, uh, yes. One of the, you know, one of the finest examples of yes. diegetic music. Yes. In the series. Fantastic. <laughs>
1: uh, but this scene ends with with Sam telling Al that he thinks Greg murdered Hilla because Hilla had decided to, to break up with him, and Al, Al doesn't, he doesn't believe this. He thinks Al is just... Um, He's become obsessed with Hella, and he's reading into the situation what he wants to read mm-hmm. into the situation. Uh, but at the same time, Al is not giving any other theories as to why Sam might be there.
0: Right. Well, and this is also where we get the uh, we get the um, the Laura call yes. out. Um, yeah. And so this,
1: uh, yeah, this episode is kind of aping that that genre a little bit. Yeah, because Laura little, La- uh, Laura was a 1944 movie. That uh, was about a detective who falls in love with a woman in the course of investigating her, her murder. murder. Yeah.
0: yeah, It's I mean it's a fantastic film. It's a, it's a film noir. It, it was Otto Priminger, Gene Tierney, Dana Andrews. The the thing is that what what separates the like the parallel is obviously there but I wouldn't even go so far as to say that the episode's aping it because I feel like the episode is very, Apes very more, it's, like, it's like taking that as an inspiration yeah yeah, yeah absolutely um, and, and so the call out works well You know, it's almost like what I was saying about the Sherlock Holmes stuff it's like there's nothing really Holmes and Watson about sure. Sam and Al and there's nothing about you know in this episode even but it's just a, it's just sort of a call out to say like you know here's this thread. Sure. Now we're going to weave it into a completely different tapestry. There's an idea. And I yeah. think that, yeah, and I think that the Laura thing is, is very similar to that. Which yeah. well, so, Speaking of... Um, of course, we should mention that one of the the big differences not to spoil the film Laura for you is, is that... Spoiler alert! It, it, I, I mean... The detective takes it to such an extreme that it literally destroys him in Mm -hmm. the end. Like, it's, you know... Yeah. um, Another interesting tidbit I read up in the week. Otto...
1: How do you pronounce his last name? Priminger. Priminger. Mm -hmm. Uh, What I found a a fascinating tidbit is that he had been returning to film acting for, like, after 20 years. And there's a scene of him in a bathtub that when he saw... Mm The footage from like the like the rush, the dailies, like whatever they call it, like when he saw the footage, like the day after, he kind of had a little bit of a breakdown because he didn't realize like how much he had aged. Oh wow! Like he still pictured himself like 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 the younger leading man, ingenue type character that he had been playing the last time he did film acting, and then he saw himself on film twenty years later as what he actually yeah looked like now and it and it kind of messed him up a little bit.
0: Yeah, I I, I could imagine. I yeah. could imagine. He actually uh, he directed a lot of uh, great films. So There's a couple of my favorite films, including Anatomy of a Murder and uh, uh, In Harm's Way. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, what was it? Great. Oh, I remember In Harm's Way. That like that was a movie like my mom and dad had taped off TV and yeah. then they had it saved, but I can't remember what exactly it's, that was. It's movie World War II, II movie.
0: About. John Wayne, Kirk Douglas, uh, okay. Patricia okay. Neal. Yeah, it, it basically starts with the, the right before the bombing of Pearl Harbor and goes up. I want to say to Midway? Okay. Yeah, I think it goes all the way to Midway. Um, Anyway, yeah, it's a great, great film. It was based on a novel. Um, You know, it's a little melodramatic, and certainly some stuff in it that would be considered problematic today. Although, yeah, I don't know. Given the context, yeah, I think that it's... I think the couple of things that happen within the film that that would probably be considered problematic today uh, are resolved in ways that I don't think would necessarily be as problematic. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's a rape that, that occurs within the film. Okay. Um, and the, the victim ends up committing suicide, and then the, the, uh, attacker, mm-hmm. he basically ends up committing suicide as well, um, but he k- kind of dies a bit of a hero's death. Ah, uh, okay. So it's like, eh, you uh, know, okay, but... Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Anyway, that's that's anyway, a whole that's, other discussion. That's a whole other thing. Um, but anyway,
1: uh, so now we get to the scene of them dragging the lake, uh, yeah, trying to find the gun, uh, which they which they do not, which they do not find,
0: right? Um, and and that, uh, but but Sam also tells Lyle at this point that Hilla was pregnant, yeah, um, and and kind of hints to the fact that Greg, Greg yeah. was the father. Mm-hmm. Um, we get this really interesting scene that comes up next where like, first of all, Roger is a shit in this in the scene. Yeah. Um but they're like at an archery range. Sure. And and you know, Sam the sheriff are confronting them mm-hmm. and you know trying to get some more more information. Uh and Sam drops the bombshell that Hill was pregnant. Yeah. Um which kind of shocks everybody. Um and then Greg is all like you know he knew that they were going to go get married. Mm-hmm. They were going to run off together. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, but this is the thing. It's like it was, Sam says, like no, like her diary says, like like she tried to break it up with you on the Fourth of July. There's line, like that was impossible because Greg was at a archery right archery tournament and uh, and that that he had actually won the tournament. So it was, so it was impossible. So whoever whoever Hilla was breaking up with, it was not. Greg.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, it's interesting to, uh, to see Sam sort of shaking all these trees and not getting any apples, yeah. you know, because we, we so often, you know, we see him kind of struggle with things, but often it's because of stuff that's out of his control. And in this episode, he tends to be very much in control of what he's doing, um, even if he's driven by sort of this obsession. Sure. Um, he's still in the driver's seat. Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, to see him coming up short and all of his theories getting... You know, the whole sure. coked in them right away. Uh, and, and, you know, even at this point, I think it's Roger. Yeah, Roger is, you know, very... Takes umbrage with the fact that he's accusing his son of stuff. Yeah. And he's and like, get your facts straight, you know. Who are you? Yeah. yeah. It's also important enough to clarify that that, that Greg says, not only had they
1: not broken up, like, they had just started dating right before he left for this tournament in in Boston. Yeah, So it, it kind of turns everything on its ears that, Hilla was breaking up with someone else to start dating Greg. Right. So now, who who was the, who was the someone else? Yeah. And this scene ends with, speaking of putting holes in it, uh, Roger takes a shot with his bow and arrow yeah. with the target, and it does not escape Sam's attention
0: that... That arrow looks like it could make a. That hole. arrow
1: looks like it could make uh, it could make a hole in, yeah. in, in in the side of in the side of someone's head,
0: um, which is which is. Yeah, again, just because of the nature of the episode, we don't want to just like throw everything on the table right away. But it, it is one of those things that I, I think a lot of. People who write mystery like to play with that misdirection, yeah. Um, and, and so showing you something like this, you're just sort of like, oh shit, you know. And, we're, and again, you know, the yeah. episode continually layers stuff on, you know. Sure. And, and and it's you know they're 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 baking this beautiful layer cake, and we're getting you know these yeah. layers and everything. And it's and it's really again, it's really well done, and it's so well done. In fact, it, might as well just mention this right now that the episode actually won the Edgar Award for the mm-hmm. best episode of television. Uh, um, the, the Edgar Awards, 1991,
1: Mystery Writers of America. Edgar Allan Poe Award, yeah, for best uh,
0: television screenplay. Which are generally they're called the yeah the Edgars, um, and yeah, I mean they're the most prestigious you know mystery sort of genre awards there are, um, and they're you know for film, television, mm. short stories, novels, etc. Even true crime, you know they do that. In fact, I think um, if I'm not mistaken, Patton Oswalt's uh, wife, uh, deceased wife, deceased wife, um, uh, actually, I'll be gone in the dark. Yeah,
1: yeah. actually is one. Won one, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not necessarily for her for her final book that came out. I, I can't remember right? now. Okay, I think she I don't. I don't think I don't, think, I don't think I don't. I don't think it's been out long enough for for to have won. Yeah, I one.
0: wouldn't think so yeah. either. But but yeah, I, I I feel like she's she has actually won one before. Um, Speaking, of, have you? This
1: is a total side note. Have you watched Annihilation? Like, yeah, his latest stand up special. No, oh, oh god, yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, anyway, I'll check it out for sure. Yeah, because in
1: the latter half, he 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 gets very real, like talking about like dealing with his wife's
0: yeah death. Yeah, yeah, man.
1: Yeah. Anyway, uh, so now we kind of set up Roger as a suspect. Yeah. Um, and uh, so after this scene, um, it's at this point that. Al starts to agree with Sam that uh, Sam might have been murdered or or Hilla might have been murdered. Sam is kind of surprised by this, and then al he makes a comment that that he and Hilla are both he and Hilla are both orphans, yeah. and, that, and that they need to stick together now, uh, now al says Ziggy to to look into all the people that Sam has met on the sleep um and then oh that al says Ziggy has looked into all of the people that Sam has met. And he discovers that in six years, Aggie, who is there to make up Hilla's body, yes. is going to be indicted for performing
0: an illegal an ab- abortion. Right. We also, there's, there's a lot to unpack about this scene because I feel like this scene is really, really, really uh, just uh, probably one of the finest scenes of the episode, if not the season, the way that everything comes together visually. Mm-hmm. Um, we begin with the locket uh, that Sam is holding, sort of spinning over the picture. The picture is held in such a way that the locket looks like it's around her neck within okay. the photograph. Uh, again, you know, the way that he's playing with the locket kind of calls back to the beginning of the episode that sort of that he's been hypnotized by this. He's got to figure things out. He's obsessed. He's playing another record. You know, he's he's really trying to, like, get inside her head, get into the mood of this, figure out, like, what the hell is going on. Al, of course, you know, being our, you know guide from the future is giving yeah. us the information about, you, you know, these, these are the extra clues I can add on. Um, he ends up, you know, giving more information to about, um, Roger and how Roger's going to marry like a Vegas showgirl or something like that. Uh, Greg's going to become a divorce and, and that's when we get the, the, the Ziggy gag. Yeah, It's like, okay, Greg's going to become a divorce. Bags and, the side of an attorney. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know, it's a, and so it's, it's just, I don't know, there's, there's a lot about this scene to love, uh, and, and it all starts off with that really great shot of, of the locket, mm-hmm. and the reflection of the locket in the picture looking like it's on her neck, mm-hmm. and yet it's Sam holding the locket in his hand. It's yeah. just a wonderful shot. Yeah. And it's mirrored, it's this wonderful mirrored shot where then Al goes on to say, you're both orphans. And it's Mm -hmm. just this, you know, and they're connected now by this locket. And this locket has really been the impetus that started everything from the beginning of the episode. Yeah.
1: It's a great scene.
0: It is a great scene. Thank you for that beautiful recap. Well, you know. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I took a film studies class. What what can I say? Hey, hey. Uh, So now we get to the beauty shop of Sam confronting Aggie uh, in front of her clients. And she's trying to keep it, you know, quiet as possible. And basically, what we find out in the scene is that.
0: Hilla had come to Aggie for an abortion, Mm -hmm. but then she backed out, she couldn't go through with it. Tells us a lot about Hilla and makes so much sense in the context of who she is and where she came from, Mm -hmm. because of course she's going to have trouble with doing this because she saw everyone that she loved die, you know, Mm -hmm. just obliterated in one way or another. Um, That, yeah, it would, it would make sense that she would have trouble giving that, that potential life up. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, we get the scene
1: where uh, now where Sam uh, wants Lyle to arrest Roger for Hill's murder. Lyle refuses. There's no, there's no weapon. There's no bullet. There's nothing. Um, and he orders Sam to, to go through it. Like,
0: yeah, Every I think this party. is actually where we get the yes. mirror shot. This yeah. is where, this yeah. Is, yeah, this is where we get the extended. Yeah. yeah, this is where we get the extended mirror shot. Which again, never done anything like that before. And it's like, bam! This episode is really, a, a, you know, a, it's breaking new ground for Quantum Leap. I dig it. Yeah, I dig it. That's all. <laughs> nothing else. I have got nothing <laughs> else, I'm yeah. just saying. Yeah, I'm just raving. You know? Yeah, uh, so, of a mad man. Yeah,
1: so this is the moment where uh, Sam goes like he, he's getting her dressed. Uh, She's got the blue dress on, puts the locket down around her neck. Yes. And then this is where he's putting the shoes on her, and he just stops. And we don't know what he knows, but I think he just says, oh, Hilla.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, And now we get to the classic... I mean, this is like the classic, you know, pro, sort of, I'm going to do everything, you know, Columbo in the drawing room. You know what I mean? Like yes. This is the classic. <laughs> he, he's got everybody into Hilla's room. Yeah. He's playing footage uh, in the background. It's black and white. He's standing up there. He's got the arrow in his hand. He's, mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's, he's fiddling with the arrow in his hand, and he starts laying the facts out for his, you know, his gathered mm-hmm. uh, suspects, if you will. Um, you know, Lyle's there, Roger's there, Greg's there, Stephanie's there. Um and this is when he points out that thing about the footage being different and about how mm-hmm. you know Greg took this cuz he's the amateur but this looks much more professional. Yes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I was like, "Go away. You
1: shot this footage and rather badly."
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, "Come on." <laughs> um and um and and, and and of course, you know, Roger's trying to defend his son and everything like that and it's like, you know, um he even he even goes on to tell Roger that he suspected him of killing her with the arrow. Sure, yeah. And then, you know, of course, Roger's protesting and he's like, but, you know, clearly it wasn't... But yeah, it doesn't match. Like, doesn't, yeah, he, yeah. He, he actually produces an arrow and he's like, yeah, nope. Right, it didn't match the size of the wound. Um, And then that's when he, you know, says the professional-looking footage says Stephanie shot it um, and, 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 and kind of lays out everything that happened mm-hmm. uh, on the 4th of July that uh, it wasn't... Greg that she ended a relationship with. It was Stephanie that she ended a relationship with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, shock yeah. in the room. Um, yeah, and this is where, where Greg makes a comment that a lot of what
1: Hilla had been saying now that makes sense, that after the war she didn't really know who she could trust, yes. who she could have a relationship with. She'd been that, raped. She'd that, been, yeah. yes. She wasn't uh, comfortable
0: around men. Exactly. It made things very confusing for her. Yeah, and that yeah. even sometimes
1: relationships with women. Yeah. ...were confusing. Yeah. Yeah. And so it gets laid out for us... ...that Hilla and Stephanie... ...had been... ...lovers. Hilla had actually been trying to break it off with... ...Stephanie... ...and... ...this is where we get the reveal... ...of what the murder weapon actually is... ...where where Sam points out that... ...he had thought that the shoe... ...floating in the water... ...was Hilla's... ...but then looking at her actual shoe... The, the sizes are vastly different, different from yeah. each other. And she had small feet. Yes, and yeah. that's what he had noticed. Uh, and we kind of get this uh, Cinderella moment where where Sam kind of teases. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, not literally asking her, but right, like, yeah, right. w- yeah, would you care to try this on? Um, it's at this point that he turns around and he swings the shoe at the door, yeah. leaves a hole, and... This is the and the now we're Everything local. all I'm, I'm wrapped, wrapped the, up. What the murder weapon?
0: Stephanie was. breaks down. You know admits yeah. to everything. Um, what to get? Per- perfect genre. Oh yeah, yeah. Trop I mean, yeah. Without it it's like every episode of Perry Mason where you know there's there's a lady on the stand and he gets her to break down and mm-hmm. cry. You know, but yeah, she breaks down and she admits to everything. Um, she blames Greg for everything. You know, for sure. getting pregnant when she didn't want to be pregnant, so that she wouldn't be able to leave. Greg, um, and then uh, uh, yeah, she says that you know she loved her, you know, but that didn't love her anymore. Yeah. Um, more on that later. Yes. Yeah. We're, we're, gonna uh, we're just going to through there We're, we're going do a whole the, little breakdown. Yeah, we'll get through the episode um, first. And, and then,
1: so then we cut to a scene of uh, a, a, a of having been, been been married, like him standing there, like reading.
0: It's well. It's snowing. Yes. Um, And uh, we get Al this great outfit,
1: uh, a great white outfit. Yeah. So that the snow landing on Dean Stockwell, the actor, does not show up.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, We get you know, and there's nobody else there. It's just Sam at this point, uh, which makes you wonder: was he the only one that even showed up? Um, Don't know. And he's got. I, I felt like I
1: mean, this was something like there was like the funeral. For whatever, it right. was, Whatever few people
0: showed up, exactly. Very few people showed up, and this is him after getting closure yeah. afterwards. So, he's got the book, uh, of uh, the Mark Twain book, which you know, he talks about the poem Annette, which he wrote for uh, his daughter, um, when she passed away and yeah. she, when she had died. And so, he reads the poem beautifully, I might add. Mm-hmm. It's you know. It, it's a difficult thing, I, I feel like, um, I, and I've seen it done well and I've seen it done poorly um, when an actor has to read poetry at, like in the context of something as a character. Sure. And it's either you know, milked beyond all recognition that it doesn't even sound like a fucking poem anymore, or it's done so beautifully and subtly and just honestly that it works. Yeah. And this is one of those moments where it works. Another one that I can think of, believe it or not, is Christopher Plummer in a little flick called Must Love Dogs. Which, ha! <laughs> okay. There's pretty much nothing else redeeming about that film whatsoever, but there's a point, he plays uh, Diane Lane's father in the film. Ah, uh, okay. There's a point where okay. he has to recite. Um, uh, some poetry uh, Got at a birthday party, and it's one of the most fucking beautiful things. It's like it's like if you have to wade through a hundred minutes of a rom com with John Cusack and Diane Lane just to get this like you know thirty seconds. It's fucking worth it. Uh, I promise. Like I'm you. sure it's on YouTube. Yeah, it's I'm probably on YouTube. Sure yeah. Um, but no, it's really well done, and, and you know, so he and, and name checks the title of the episode. Sure. Um, Take one drink. <laughs> right, uh, and then. Um, yeah, he places the bouquet down, and then he leaps. Uh, it's interesting, too, because while he's standing there, he's like, you know, I, why haven't I left yet? And then Al says that maybe Sam needs to say goodbye. Right, yeah. Um, and so it's and that's the, when he reads the passage. Yeah,
1: so it's at the conclusion of this passage. Passage Throughout the episode, we've seen flashes of Hilla, like, sitting on a hillside looking directly at the camera. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. this is when we, it, it kind of breaks through. And we get an extended shot, uh, and she says something in,
0: I do believe it's in
1: German at this, yeah. At this point. Yeah, it is in German, uh, yeah.
0: I can't remember what she says, honestly. Um,
1: uh, yeah, I, I, I can't remember either. But yeah, she she says something in German. And the general feel like we we're all getting closure. Sam's getting closure. Hilla, spirit, whatever you want to call it, we're getting a little bit of uh, we're getting a closure closure there. Sam places down the bouquet, and he leaps. He's
0: now he's in a pool hall.
1: Now he's in a pool hall. It is smoky, blues music is playing, someone is singing, and he's expected to to, to take a shot and... uh yeah. Oh boy. For, yeah. For, yeah. It's uh. This is a high-stake shot. I can't remember how exactly, but yeah. There's there's some money.
0: Yeah. Some money well, it, it unfortunately the the leap out does mm-hmm. not explain worth a shit what's happening. Yeah. The extended version of, sure. the, of the leap in in the following episode actually lets you know why all of a sudden the guy's like five hundred dollars out of nowhere. Yeah. You know, it's actually he he he's leading up to it, but we don't get that in in the leap out for you know for time time constraints. Yeah. Um. So. Real quick before we dive into the other side of this episode. Um, I, yeah, I, I think that the, the quality of this episode, um, you know, is just way up there. I think that some of that has to do with the chances that they were willing to take. Uh, a lot of it has to do with the writing. Um, Sam's performance, Scott Bakula's performance is, is fantastic. Um, I think that it's, it's kind of a high watermark. For him, um, as I was doing some research about the episode, I, you know, I noticed uh, deservedly so. It ends up on a lot of top ten lists. And, and, and I see why, I don't mm-hmm. know if it'll end up on mine. Um, maybe it will, if I do one, who knows, I sure. love them all, whatever. Uh, but it is, it's a fantastic episode. It it goes beyond again, you know, like certain other episodes we talked about, I think color of truth, maybe being one of them, it goes beyond being a great episode of quantum leap. It's a great episode of television. Um, and it, and it reinforces what you were talking about, how they were trying to make mini movies. Mm-hmm. It's an episode that I feel like you could drop in, not know anything about quantum leap and really really enjoy, mm-hmm. um, and, 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 appreciate and find as a great episode of television. Um, and, and so, uh, yeah, all, all the credit in the world I and mean, clearly it won awards. It was, you know, it, it was a great episode, Acknowledges a great episode even at the time. Um, but I think looking back, you know, almost 30 years now, I, I, I think that it's still, that's a scary thought. Uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, right. Looking back, you know, even 30 years on that it still holds up as being, as being a great Great episode, without mm-hmm. a doubt. Yeah, I, we were talking about this off mic beforehand. When Betsy and I watched it, I think we were taking the episode
1: a little bit too literally when we were watching it the first time, mm. Uh it would be more of a, like a straightforward drama and just like kind of being drawn in uh, and distracted, maybe a little bit too much by the, just by how obsessed Sam gets with Hilla yeah. over Yeah. But then, like reflecting on it and like realizing, like, no, this is a this is like truly like a, a genre episode. Like I said, not aping the movie lore, but kind of taking that seed and, and, uh, leaping off, <laughs> uh, leaping off from that point, uh, it went from being an episode that I fondly remembered to, what the
0: hell, to, oh yes, yeah, this is a great episode. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of, well, it
1: made a circle.
0: I think that the thing is, is and, it's, and it's something that's a little subtle, um, I mean, maybe not for some people, I think for me it was, uh that in addition to Sam wanting to know who this person was in order to figure out what happened to her, I think in in some ways he identifies with her a bit. She's an orphan. You know, Sam has to feel like an orphan. She just wants somebody to love, you know, it's the only thing missing. It's like, or that's what's missing from her life. It's like, that's what's missing from Sam's life. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, I think that, that there's, he identifies a little bit with her. Um, and, and, yeah, I think that that kind of carries sure. over into his his obsession. Yeah,
1: and we, we kind of touched on this earlier. It's it's a unique situation that happens a few times throughout the series where he leaps in after someone has died. Yes, and his mission has something to do with bringing closure to that person's right. death. And it's like, even though like he has absolutely no control of when he leaps in, right? There's probably a little. There's some guilt.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely.
1: Because Sam, Sam is, he certainly has a savior complex, without a doubt. So it's like, well, if yeah, if I didn't leap in in time to save this person from dying,
0: it's yes, uh, yes. Uh, and is this the, this is this is the first episode that we get of this nature, right? Like, it's the first episode where he's not there to save someone. You know, it's the, they're already dead. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it really kind of turns the convention of, of the show on its ear in mm-hmm. a lot of ways too. I mean, it really it, it, for quantum by quantum leap standards, it ends up becoming a wildly inventive episode. Mm-hmm. Honestly, in a lot of ways, both you know visually, orally, um, y- y- you know the plot. I think it, it it really changes the game. It starts to again. They've established what it is that they do, and now they can start. Doing other stuff, doing that, and I think that that's, the, that's sure. kind of one of the cool things about it.
1: Yeah. So it's very much, uh, uh, yeah, it, it is very much. You know, it's obviously it's it's a mystery of like trying to you know obviously figure out after the fact why someone has passed away. It just popped in my head. Uh, there's a great play that I have. Uh, I've only read. I haven't seen a production of. It's called Dying City. Uh, I, I do believe it's by Christopher Shin. And one character in, in the play has a great monologue talking about uh, her obsession with the TV show Law and & Order. And her figuring out why people love Law and & Order and CSI and all of those procedurals. Okay. Is, that they, is that they all have this structure that uh, someone at the beginning of the episode dies. Yep. And this entire team of specialists, they, they come to life. They come together to figure out how this person died. I mean, it's like police, detectives, lawyers, doctors, uh, people who work tirelessly and will not rest until the mystery of that person's mm-hmm. death has been solved mm-hmm. and therefore, in a way, symbolically reversed. Yeah. And that, whether the writers of these shows realize it or not, the reason why people love those kind of shows is that it taps into this fantasy that when we die, no matter how we die, that our death simply won't be accepted, and and, and people will move on from it. But that 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 like 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 special people like police detectives, hosp- uh, uh, doctors, lawyers, like they will work tirelessly until they figure out why you died. You won't just be grieved and moved on, but the. That your, yeah, your death will be your death will be answered and vindicated, right? In
0: some way. That's now that's that's great. I mean, that's what Sam does in this episode. Yeah, you know, he's he's looking for that kind of that vindication. So I I I mean, that's it is kind of in a weird way a comforting thought. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, if something horrible happens to someone that there are people there that are going to try to figure it out yeah. that it's their job mm-hmm. you know whether or not that's necessarily exactly why they do what they do that you know from the beat cop to the detective to sure. the you know, prosecutor to the judge to the coroner to the mm-hmm. you know it, it is yeah yeah anyway so should we should we, should so we dive into the meat let's yeah. do it so um we're two straight dudes, mm-hmm. but we're going to have to talk about some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, um, when this episode aired, uh, apparently, and I say apparently because the truth of the matter is I've not been able to actually find any like primary sources for this. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, yeah, you know, I, I, I think that what we'll talk about specifically a little bit later as we discuss this is the uh, comic book uh, Quantum Leap issue sure. number nine, which was written by Andy Mangels, mm-hmm. um, who is a uh, out um, author, and uh, he did write an editorial at the back of the issue, kind of explaining the impetus for writing this issue. Um, but uh, but other than that, I've not been able to find Fine. any actual primary sources that for this okay. for this controversy the, apparently the, the backlash okay. that it created within the gay community. Uh, that there was there were letters written, and, and yes. even Deborah Pratt talks about it in Matt Dale's book.
1: Sure, yeah. So uh, the controversy is to, to backtrack and play it out is that uh, a, a lot of people in the in the gay community were very unhappy with this episode because uh, they felt that. The fact that that Stephanie was was a lesbian and also a murderer; those two things tied together did not represent gay people in a in a good light. Right, and they were uh, they were very unhappy about that. I, uh, I I looked and I couldn't find it. I do remember reading the article about this when I was a kid, uh, and it's noted in Matt Dale's book. Um, th- this first came out in the press, uh, broadly speaking, at the time. Uh, TV Guide was doing a story on uh, a fourth season episode, The Wrong Stuff. Mm -hmm. And so in the process of writing an article about that one, they discussed this particular episode uh, and and the frustration that the gay community had expressed over this. Yeah. Over this episode. Uh, I do remember reading that article at the time. I remember that jumping out at me because when I first saw this episode when I was a kid, uh, I was like, what, 10 or 11 years old? At that point, I hadn't even wrapped my head around homosexuality. Like, I didn't even realize that that was a thing. That it existed. Mm -hmm. So I didn't pick it up when I watched the episode. I just thought, Stephanie really cared for Hilla as a friend okay. i didn't sure. i didn't get the uh i didn't get the romantic aspect of it uh and then reading that t v guide article a couple years later i was oh 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 um anyway. So you said, like, you couldn't find the source material, like, yeah, looking it up, I couldn't actually find a copy of that article. Yeah. I do, I do remember reading that article at the time.
0: No, and I, I don't doubt that it exists, and it's just one of those things where I think, for whatever reason, the the Running for Honor episode, which which is in the fourth season, yeah. is is the episode where if you do any kind of Google on Quantum Leap that's and, the one and that yeah. and gay, or, you know, that's the one that comes up, um, which is a completely different... Uh, sort of backlash that they got from advertisers mm-hmm. who were upset, apparently, that they were going to betray her, sure. so it cetera. So basically, a lot of what the backlash had to do with wasn't necessarily just that Stephanie was a murderer. It was the fact that Quantum Leap, which had been seen as a fairly progressive show, their first time that we have a gay character on the show, she ends up being a murderer. And I think that that was what a lot of people had problems with. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily just the fact that she's a murderer and she's a lesbian it was that you had an opportunity and instead this is how you decided to portray you know us Mm -hmm. Um, now Deborah Pratt had some comments that she even made you know she's quoted in Matt's book uh, for instance as saying that she felt like a lot of the people that were writing in hadn't actually seen the episode Mm -hmm. which let's face it that happens anytime I mean anytime you get any kind of controversy there's going to be a ton of people to pick up that flag and run with it that don't know a damn thing about it sure that said, I, I, I don't think it can be written off in such a way that it's like ah, they probably haven't seen the episode mm-hmm. even. Yeah. I think that there is there's 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 definitely validity to both sides of the argument. I think that I can understand if you're you know let's face it, one of the things that I read actually was a um, a report. Um, from the National Library of uh, Medicine uh, from the National Institute of Health uh, basically about uh, gay, lesbian, and bisexual content on television uh, now this was actually done in, in 2000 I think that it it was measuring things in like 2003, 2004, the report yeah. was published in like 2005 or 2006 and they were talking about the number of characters um, that were either a lead or recurring gay character on television mm-hmm. uh, and, and in 1997 the, there were 16 uh, that it, that almost doubled You know, four or five years later in two thousand one, and has been growing ever since. Sure. The truth of the matter is, at the time that this episode aired, there weren't many at all, Uh Uh, and before nineteen seventy, there were none, Mm -hmm. Uh, and after nineteen seventy, they were usually not portrayed in the most positive of lights. Sure. Um, So, so clearly, if you know, if you're someone who watches this show and you see you know you're you're 15 16 or 40 for that matter watching the show and you're seeing this gay character be portrayed as a murderer yeah it's probably not going to make you feel great mm-hmm. you know because you have something here that all of a sudden you can identify with and 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 it's like wow there's a love story between two women and now all of a sudden we're being told that one of those women actually murdered the other one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think because of all of the, uh, you know, panic and, and misconception, sure. Especially throughout the, you know, the eighties about homosexuality, it, it just goes on to fuel a lot of that. You know, it's parallel to the idea that, um, you know, people didn't want gay men around their kids. Yep. But there, cause I remember, um, there was a book
1: that came out in the late 80s it's called What Cops Know and uh, this woman she sat down with a number of Chicago police officers and she just got verbatim stories from them mm-hmm. uh, like the the book is divided in like five different sections and uh, each one has a little introduction from her but then afterwards it's just cops like telling their stories just just straight first person and one of the stories I remember reading, and I, I won't get into like the the elaborate story as to why the cop believed this, uh, but it was apparent that that he believed, and that a lot of cops believed that gay people were inherently very violent, especially when they were scorned romantically. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of plays into you know what what you were just saying, like yes, how this episode ends up, it does. It does lean into that belief. That I can see if if I were gay, having seen this episode at a time when gay people were so un- underrepresented on television, I can see. Yeah, I can see myself being very upset.
0: Right. Yeah. Now the flip side of that is, and this is where you know maybe maybe I generate some controversy. Who knows? Is that within the context of the episode itself, and as I don't take anything back that I said about the episode. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Like, I'm not going to sit here and now say because of that, it should be relegated to the bottom of the pile Mm -hmm. for, for, for two reasons. One, I've never been one that could simply look at something and appreciate it and then find something out about, you know, like I'm not one of those people that can, that can disregard a piece of art because the artist did something bad, I'm not, and mm-hmm. I never will be. Because I think if we start doing that, we're going to have to burn a hell of a lot of records, and we're going to have to destroy a hell of a lot of DVDs, mm-hmm. and we're going to be left with not a fucking lot left. Mm-hmm. And you know, we could we could start with Beatles records if you want. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like like if we're being honest here. So so I think that within the context of this piece of of, of art, which is what it is, this television episode. It's a great piece of television. I think that if this episode were to be created today, I don't necessarily know if it would be that different, and I don't know that it would be met with the backlash today that it would have been met with thirty years ago. Because of the amount of representation we now have. Exactly. I I I would I would argue, perhaps, that if the episode were done today, that maybe the things would be play out a little bit differently in that Hilla and Stephanie were actually lovers and that Greg found out about it and Greg was the one that killed her. Like, I could see the episode playing out a little bit differently if it was written today. Perhaps. Maybe that's something that would have happened. Um, But, again, I think that really the crux of the issue ends up being the representation and not the actual character. Yes. If that makes sense. Yes. So... Following up on all this, writer Andy Mangles, uh, who, who's written uh, comic books and, and, and novels, um, he's actually been involved with a lot of Doctor Who stuff, so I'm familiar with him uh, quite a bit, he wrote uh, an issue of the comic book, um, issue number, issue number nine, nine, yeah, and it was called Up Against a Stone Wall, um, and his, his hope, basically, with this comic book was to um, sort of redeem... Both the character of Stephanie, um, and the harm that this episode had done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so the gist of it is, is that he leaps into Stephanie after she's gotten out of prison. Uh, she served 12 years for manslaughter. Mm -hmm. Um, she apparently was allowed a camera while she was in prison. So she was taking a lot of pictures. She became kind of a bit of a minor celebrity, um, she, you know, after she gets released, uh, and Sam's left into her at this point, she gets released and, you know, immediately they, uh, you know, like an art dealer wants her to take pictures and, you know, they, they're really excited to her, uh, to have her around. She, she meets like Andy Warhol. She, uh, um, ends up becoming, um, or falling in with members of, uh, early lesbian rights group, the Daughters of Bilitis, um, and... You know, soon after that, we start to get stories uh, of some of these other characters, um, including a, uh, and this is in quotes, a drag queen supermodel, um, Clarice, actually mm-hmm. Clement, who shares a story of his rough childhood, how he was kicked out of his home when he was 13 when his father caught him cross dressing, um, and apparently he was beaten uh, by the police during a raid on a gay bar. Now, at this point, Sam is, you know, fed up about all of this. Um, and, and asks Clement to be a part of his new exhibit, uh, uh, which is on discrimination and police brutality against gays. Um, it, it, it's at this point, you know, the the comic book really kind of starts to, to um, you know, not only talk about it, but show images uh, of the violence. Um, and at this point, you know, Sam starts to become politically involved. Uh, it ends up apparently developing a romance um, with uh, with one of the lesbian uh, rights members. Uh, there's a fight scene. There's all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we close upon um, is a scene where Sam, as Stephanie, is taking pictures um, outside of a bar in New York in Greenwich Village, and it's the Stonewall. It's June 28th, 1969. Um, Al... Tells Sam not to go into the bar because there's going to be a riot. It's going to be raided by police. Uh, But Sam decides that he's going to stay there and he's going to to photograph it. Um, It's the right choice. This is literally like the birthplace of the gay rights movement. Uh, You know, Stephanie ends up taking pictures. The weird thing is, I must say about the issue, is that Sam doesn't actually get to witness any of this. Apparently just his decision to stay is enough and he leaps out. So he leaps out before anything actually happens, so he doesn't actually take any of the pictures. It's a very interesting choice.
1: You know, uh, to touch on what we were talking about in Freedom? Yeah. Last week? Yeah. It's an, yeah right. it's an interesting choice that would have been interesting to, like, for Sam to leap out and, and for, uh, I can't remember the character's name. Stephanie.
0: But, uh, oh, 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 you mean on Freedom. Freedom. Yeah. yeah I can't remember. Uh, I mean. uh,
1: so, yeah, it calls back to Freedom, which we yeah. covered uh, last week. Like, like, when Sam has carried Joseph across the river, like, for
0: him to leap out and let George, George be with have his the diagram. diagram. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, I agree. I I thought the same exact thing when I was, when I was reading this. It's like, it is interesting because it's like, you know, Sam, because now Sam's made the choice to stay there instead of leave. Sure. He leaps out. And so Stephanie comes back in because I guess the idea is, uh, and I haven't, unfortunately I've not read the issue. I was just reading. A synopsis and review online, but I think that the idea through the issue is that Sam has been making choices all along to put Stephanie there. That in the original history she wasn't there, Mm -hmm. but because of everything that Sam does to lead her there, now she's there. He leaps out. She does get to witness it. She does get to take the pictures. And I think that it, yeah, that's a testament to. It's a smart way to do it, you know. So kudos to to Andy Mangels for deciding to kind of go that route with it. Um, And of course, uh, you know, I think. I, I doubt that there are many people that aren't aware. Uh but, you know, Stonewall um was a was a gay bar in Greenwich mm-hmm. Village in New York City. Uh it had been raided before by the police, um and, and there had been reports of brutality. Uh there have been some issues with, you know, uh, apparently uh noise complaints, etc. Sure. sort of stuff. Uh well eventually on the night of June twenty eighth, nineteen sixty nine they raided and, and at this particular night, um the people in the bar decided they weren't going stand for it anymore. Uh, And it really is considered the the birthplace of the modern gay rights movement. Um, It's actually the reason why we have a gay pride parade. And that's why it's held when it's held uh, to commemorate that. The first pride parades were actually held uh, a year later in 1970, and they were in New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and Chicago. Um, And so uh, I I think that by putting Sam there, and putting Sam in Stephanie's shoes, and giving giving the issue the weight that it deserves and Mm -hmm. giving the proper representation uh, that it 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 does it does it it kind of it completes his you know the author's mission Mm -hmm. of sort of redeeming that character that episode and it's it's Fucking fascinating because I just can't help but wonder, man, if we would have been able to get things like this in the context of the show. Sure, I was just how saying, like, amazing! How would that like be. if
1: this had been a fourth or a fifth season, right? Episode. Yeah, that would have been that would have been really interesting. It would have been. Incredible. It would have been interesting to to see if television audiences were ready for that. Oh yeah. Or or, or or more importantly, I think the, I think television audiences would have been ready for that. I think the more important question is would NBC have been willing to back that episode. Yeah. Yeah, cuz yeah. I think an episode like that it would have gone beyond like what let's say Running for Honor did, which I think was well intentioned, but that wasn't uh, perhaps a well executed episode either.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I yeah, I I I think you're absolutely right. I, again, it's one of those things where you know, were the show being produced today, we would get episodes like this, mm-hmm. which is is great, but what I would not want is for them to be, like, the, the, the timeless version of this. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Like, the thing that's wonderful about Quantum Leap is it never tries to get overly didactic. Mm-hmm. Instead, it just is. And through that, we get to learn stuff, which is awesome. And so, I, 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 I would I would... I would hope that we would get that episode if it were being done today. Mm. Who knows? But it could end up looking, like,
1: Timeless. Yeah. And no one wants That's it. unfair. I want to go back. I'm going to give... Time, timeless, because Timeless, it's finally come back on. I want to yeah. go back and, and give, it, uh, give it a shake. Uh, yeah,
0: it. I want to give it a fair shake, too. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be difficult. It just looks so goddamn slick. Uh, it is? Yeah. 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 But... It anyway. doesn't seem very honest.
1: Anyway, that's so, another that's another time trap. It is
0: so. So I guess in in, in closing, um, you know, this this part of the episode up uh, is that I can absolutely understand where the criticism came from. Sure. Again, particularly with the idea that you are having such an underrepresented community put on television in a fairly prominent spot on a Friday night on a show that, while not a hit, is certainly. You know, mm-hmm. has has some eyes on it and yeah. has critics on it, and to decide to you know to go that route, I can understand why people would have been upset. Um, I think again, though, just within the context of the episode, it's it's a weird thing. And, mm-hmm. and again, I think watching the episode now, it's hard to be upset because the representation's out there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Write me your hate mail. Tell me I'm wrong. I'm more than willing to, to concede a point. Especially yeah. if people... You know, let's face it. If there's someone out there who's watching that episode now and they still are offended by it and they still are upset by it or bothered by it, then it's worth noting. And, and it's something Absolutely. that I don't think either one of us can, can speak to. or really talk to. Yeah. yeah. So it'll be interesting to hear people's thoughts. Speaking well, of...
1: Yeah. Write us. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, yeah. Twitter. At Fates Wide Wheel.
0: Absolutely.
1: All the things. Yeah. We'll get uh, back to you. Yeah, he snuck down here all quiet, but Chris is here. Yay. Uh Chris is gonna be guest starring on next week's episode, which we're recording here in just a couple minutes. Pool Hall Blues Pool Hall Blues. This this one has a special place in my heart. This is <laughs> Pool Hall Blues is the first complete episode of Quantum Leap that I watched. When I was a kid.
0: We'll see how it's aged on you. Yeah. All right, then. <laughs> All right. Thank you again, everybody. Uh, certainly looking forward to continuing the dialogue about Goodnight, Dear Heart. Uh, I stand by It's a great episode, but I understand the controversy. I think that the comic book is worth tracking down um, if you're interested in kind of reading the, the follow-up, which is something we didn't get a lot in Quantum Leap, but I think it could be a really cool uh, piece of you know the history of this character and, and kind of, in a way, setting right what what's what's went wrong. wrong? i All right, no, going to leap out of here. All right, see you next week. Thank
1: you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed what you've heard or have any questions or comments, don't be shy. Reach out to us online at FWWQuantumLeapPod.com or Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Fates Wide Wheel. And remember to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you may be listening. Until next time.